Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Happy Halloween from Sunday edition on ACB Media One every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on all major podcast catchers soon after. He did the monster mash. Was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. Now let's all get up, get moving, and do the monster match. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday edition and happy Halloween out there. I thought I would throw a little something fun for the opening just to shake things up and to wish everyone a happy Halloween and to inspire everyone to get up and get moving. You've been hearing a lot about it here on Sunday Edition and all across the ACB media family of shows. And this Thursday, um, you can hear about it in Texas as well. Uh, Tom Tobin and some of the members of the Get Up, Get Moving campaign will be with Kenneth, Kenneth Simeon talking about the uh, Coast to Coast Dance Party and uh, what's next. And um, if you really want some excitement for the holiday seasons, go listen to the announcements. I had a sneak peek at what's coming up next and it's gonna be a lot of fun. I am here as always with my trusted engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Byron Lee. Hello. <laughs> that is a Rocky Horror absolute impression of ex- of incredibleness. Are you, you all recovered from your um your weekend in Denver? My uh, my weekend in Denver and also my Halloween soiree. Um I went to a friend's party last night and I um I dressed up. I I did a really fun costume. It was awesome. Awesome. You want to give us a little uh, taste of what you sure well <laughs> i did a uh i did sort of like a a, a gender bending beetlejuice costume it was really fun <laughs> nice yeah. very nice yeah it was beetlejuice, a good time. beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> all right we've got a couple more announcements um as i said thomas tobin this this week with uh kenneth simeon um uh, byron why don't we run chris gray real quick Okay. Um, this is a file that I just got from Sunday with an announcement from Chris Gray. ACB Diabetics in Action and the Get Up and Get Moving Initiative have joined forces to offer legislation education with a twist. We ask you to join us in this endeavor. As November is Diabetes Awareness Month, we are trying out a three-pronged approach to legislation action for two congressional initiatives. H.R. 4853, Medical Device, Non-Visual Accessibility Act, and SB 2901, Improving Medical Beneficiary Access to Innovative Diabetes Technology Act. Either or both of these legislative initiatives could provide an incredible step forward to assisting blind people with diabetes, giving them new leverage in the creation of accessibility for durable medical equipment 
This would include things like continuous glucose monitors, insulin pumps, as well as other relatively common technology available to those with sight today. You are invited and encouraged to participate in this three-pronged approach. To start, attend an ACB community call on November 9th. Here, we will provide all the facts you need for this effort, do some role-playing, and provide the groundwork to contact your federal legislators. We will then hold a Zoom conference day to which you can invite legislators and provide them education on the bills and enlist their support and bill sponsorship. Finally, we will have a wrap-up and evaluation session to consider the effectiveness of this approach and discuss next steps for the work. Reserve Tuesday, November 9, at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, on your schedule to begin participating in this legislative imperative. Information will be provided for the ACB community call in the usual manner. That's some pretty important advocacy work that um, we can all get involved in Tuesday, November 9th. Really excited about that. I am also really excited to introduce no stranger to Sunday edition or to uh, the house that I live in, actually. Gabriel Lopez Cafati coming in as his newest capacity in ACB, chair of the MCAC subcommittee, um, Latin subcommittee, and he's got an announcement for us as well. Gabe? Um, thanks, Anthony. Well, actually, co-chair. Co-chair, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so we're very excited to announce that um, under the umbrella of the MCAC, Multicultural Affairs Committee of the American Council of the Blind, um, a few of us have been working uh, alongside uh, President Dan Spoon to finally have the subcommittee of uh, Spanish speaking uh, under the MCAC. Um, Guillermo Robles and myself are acting as co-chairs and uh, we're working under the direction of Cheryl Cummings and her awesome committee. And uh, at this point, our announcement is basically uh, if you are a Spanish speaker or Hispanic descent and you want to join the committee, please reach out. Um, I, uh, I know we're not uh, supposed to give, uh, we can give an email address on online, we can right? Give business, on air? Yeah, just not personal. You can give just um, not personal. Okay. organizational or business. Okay, so bienvenidos at acb.org. That's BS and Bravo. E, I'm sorry, I'm going to start again. BS and Bravo, I as in India, E as in Echo, N as in November, V as in Victor, E as in Echo, N as in November, I as in India, D as in Delta, O as in Oscar, S as in Sam. So um, again, bienvenidos at acb.org is, um, you can 
write to us at that email address for two things. First, the subcommittee, if you know anyone who's interested in joining our subcommittee, uh, we're recruiting members and uh, we're gonna be having our first meeting next week. Um, and uh, all that information is also gonna appear on the different ACB uh, email listservs. And uh, that email address is also good if you are interested in joining uh, the fourth month, the fourth Wednesday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern, we hold a Spanish speaking community call, which is uh, becoming very popular. And uh, those those are the two. Um, major things that we're working on. I know that on November uh, 23rd, we will be having a book discussion. Uh, if you want to join that. Uh, Sonia that Sotomayor. Is, yes. Exactly, yes. The uh, uh, book, the biography of Sonia Sotomayor, and uh, that will be bilingual. So uh, we'll have uh, mainly Spanish, but we will have English translation. So those are the announcements. We're very excited with uh, incorporating um, this, this new subcommittee and, and folding all our Spanish speaking Hispanics into um, ACB, into the ACB <clears throat> family, increasing diversity and uh, giving Excellent. everyone a voice. So thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having us here Excellent. and letting us announce. So before you go, some of you on the committee. Yes. Do you know, um, I actually have another announcement from Cheryl. Do you know anything about the um, community, open community call that MCAC is holding on um, race, ethnicity, and gender questions yes. on the membership form? Absolutely, yes. It's going to be this Thursday. I believe it's at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, yeah, I'm almost sure it's 9 p.m. Eastern because I yes, saw 9, 6, yes. So it's this upcoming Thursday, November 4th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And um, it's it's going to be very interesting uh, because uh, ACB wants to hear from us. Uh, there's going to be a lot of information. Um, there's going to be Q&A. And uh, we're going to be talking mainly about uh, what you mentioned, Anthony, the uh, the, um, uh, the the portion of, of the ACB membership uh, <clears throat> roster that is now including or incorporating uh, a little bit more uh, questions for uh, for members for us to identify within specific ethnic groups um, and also uh, gender identification. So I believe uh, Narcy, no, I'm sorry, Nancy Marks Becker is going to be joining us. Tony Stevens, I believe, maybe yes. Dan Spoon, uh, obviously Cheryl Cummings, and uh, most of the committee. So it, it's going to be great for, for any questions, answers, and for information. And for all of us to understand how uh, this is not only an effort to increase diversity, but it's also something very needed, um, especially for grants and uh, to keep moving ACB forward. So uh, I'm sure the call is going to be aired, but I would encourage everyone who has questions or who has anything to comment or suggest on it to join the call. I'm sure the Zoom info will be uh, will be um, uh, listed on the community calls.
Absolutely. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to Sunday thank edition you. and uh, bringing us that valuable information. If Absolutely. you'd like to bring me a little libation to finish this show, that would be great too. And I will talk to you later. <laughs> okay. I have also wine in a bit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you. have also been asked to remind everybody of our 60 for 60 campaign, which you can always get more information about on acb.org. And to, if you are a social media person, to please start sharing some of the posts and the announcements around our gala, our audio description gala. I believe it's November 18th and it uh, already has some big names lined up like Jason Momoa. Um, and we are really going to knock it out of the park with that. So we would love your help spreading the social media word. Margie and Byron, you can give us our last announcement together. Okay, cool. Well, Margie is gonna tell us about a couple of events um, that are being held by GDUI. Margie, what's going on? Great, I'm unmuted. Hello everyone, I'm Margie Donovan. I'm a board member of GDUI. And as mentioned, Byron and I are tag teaming this. So we have two very important fundraisers. We have one, which is $1,000 drawing that will be drawn at the end of November. And the tickets are $10 each. And this is a fundraiser for, which I don't remember. Byron, do you have that note? Sure, and what was the piece of information that you're looking for? The, the, the $1,000 fundraiser, the Thanksgiving fundraiser. Um, what are we fundraising for? I'm sorry, I don't recall. Oh, no problem. Is that the Thanksgiving drawing? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, well, the GDUI Thanksgiving drawing, um, here's what you need to know. A donation of just $10 to purchase a drawing ticket could make you uh, the winner of a cool $1,000 on November 29th, the first Monday after Thanksgiving Day. Um, <clears throat> Uh, think about what you might be able to do with that $1,000 while browsing all of those tempting Cyber Monday deals. Uh, even if yours isn't the winning ticket drawn the, that evening, you'll feel good about contributing to the Guide Dog Users Inc. fundraising event, which will help GDUI uh, uh, keep our comprehensive and helpful website updated yes. with information that's crucially important to every Guide Dog handler especially in this age of having to register our dogs every time we need to fly. Right. Yeah. But I digress. Mm -hmm. What's the other and one, Marge? Our second fundraiser from Margie Anthony <laughs> <laughs> is um, we last year started a fundraiser um, where you can buy a beautiful wreath or a center table piece for, they're oriented towards Christmas, but if you celebrate any holiday and like the smell of wonderful wreaths and center pieces, this is a great gift for yourself and for many, many others. And I'll let Byron tell the rest of that, but I know many people who purchased them last year were quite happy with them. I didn't purchase one because I was out of town, but I'm purchasing a centerpiece this year. Yeah, so uh, this year, uh, Guide Dog Users Inc. is selling beautiful holiday wreaths and sweet-smelling holiday centerpieces to raise funds, uh, which will support 
which will support our universally accessible elections during the coming year. And these uh, Sherwood Farms holiday wreaths are created from an aromic combination of noble fir, uh, buried juniper, and inc uh, incense cedar. Uh, touches of color provided by red faux holly berries, which uh, each wreath uh, includes a deluxe pre-tied checkered tie bow, and the price is $45. Our Sherwood Farms centerpiece is created from, oh, they already, I don't know what oh, that's in there. Oh, cedar, noble fir, pine, and buried juniper. That's arranged in an oasis block and bowl, approximately 12 inches in diameter for your table. Full white snow berries and white holly berries are included for you to customize your arrangement. Each centerpiece also includes a 10-inch uh, tapered LED candle, and it's $45. Wow, that actually and sounds really pretty. Anthony, I yes, ma'am. I think you need to get one for Gabriel. <laughs> I think I, I the centerpiece the centerpiece i think he would I, love it i wonder if we could have it shipped to the honduras because i think it is most likely we'll be spending christmas uh central american style <laughs> but uh -huh. i'll check it out so these yeah. these uh these can be found at guidedogusersinc.org and you can also reach out to denise weedle um, if you're having Weddle. any issues, oh, Weddle, sorry. Um, it's okay. If you're having any issues with ordering, the number is 310-306-8149. Again, that number is 310-306-8149. So at the top of every Sunday edition, I feature announcements from affiliates, special interest affiliates, committees, or just anything that really needs to be notated in our community. If you'd like, you can always listen to just the announcements by clicking on ACB Media Shows and Sunday Edition. Um, and Leslie, 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 don't come after me with that athletic foot and to try to kick my butt. I will definitely announce the holiday auction again next week. All right. Um, joining me uh, for the show is the voice you just heard, Miss Margie Donovan. And coming back, welcome back to Sunday edition, Mr. Wayne Piercy. Hey, Anthony and, and everyone else on the show. It's, it's great to be back. I'm excited to, um, excited to talk about um, uh, more issues going on in the, in the blindness community and um, happy to be back. Happy to have you back. So let's catch up for a minute and we will jump into the issues in a moment. You have been a busy, busy boy. Birdies tell me that you have been um, blasting, blasting that horn, getting ready for a musical. That's right. I got asked to do um, to do a high school production of the uh, musical Chicago. Um, so I had somebody <laughs> I had somebody come in and um, excuse me, record all my uh, parts for me on top of the um, backing tracks that I got from the, um, the high school uh, music director. So I was able to get that done. And so I've been spending the past uh, three weeks or so just um, memorizing, memorizing, memorizing. There's about 30, there 35 tunes in the book, I think. And um, I just got through the end of act two today. So um, I've gotten through all the tunes, so now all I have to now what I have to do is go back and just polish a bunch of things and 
start getting it ready for rehearsals on November 14th. Wow. And um, how long will the show run for? So we have rehearsals uh, 14th through 17th of November. And then the, uh, the show is going to be three performances, 18, uh, November 18th through 20th. Nice. Yeah. And before we get into the topic at hand, if you want to sure. remind folks, um, if you want to remind folks what your YouTube channel is so they can listen to some of your amazing recordings. Yes, you can find me on, on YouTube if you just look for my name, uh, Wayne Piercy. That's W-A-Y-N-E. And the last name is P-E-A-R-C-Y. Then you can find um, you can find all of my videos there on my on my channel. I've got some uh, classical stuff, jazz stuff. Um, I'm in I'm interested in early music. Uh, that's one of my one of my passions. So uh, I've got a little bit of that that type thing that type of thing up on YouTube. But hope hope to get more of that type of stuff up there too. So nice. go check it out. Have fun. <laughs> Well, if um, if you came to Sunday Edition because you saw this week's promo, I was supposed to have a couple of extra guests. Um, but in situations like this, things can move rather rapidly all of a sudden, and situations can change, whether it be emotionally or legally. So unfortunately, we had to change the structure of today's show rather last minute. But um, we're still going to be tackling the subject at hand, just from a couple of different perspectives. Um, if you'd like to listen to Wayne's full story, you can find um, Sunday Edition, as I said earlier, on all of your major podcast catchers. It's Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. It'll also come up if you type in American Council of the Blind, or you can go to acbmedia.org, hit shows and Sunday Edition. But for the folks who may be joining us who didn't listen to our in-depth interview one-on-one, -on -one, can you just tell us a a, a brief overview of what your experience was. Yes, so just to, just to remind people, who, if you if you aren't um, familiar with the interview that I did um, before, um, we're talking about uh, sexual uh, abuse and sexual misconduct at training centers and uh, training centers for the blind. And uh, I had an experience which. Uh, you know, you can you can you can uh, hear on my interview the the full story about that. Um, I had an experience at a training center for the blind in uh, Colorado that was not good, and that went on for you know quite a long time. Um, so the the overview is that you know it started. Uh, my situation started, I would say, about six months after I, you know, started training there, um, I was uh, coerced into an uncomfortable uh, sexual uh, relationship with a uh, cane travel instructor. Um, and this went on for several months until I uh, graduated uh, that September. Um, during that time, you know, I would just, uh, you know, just say that that, you know, there were a lot of, uh, you know, feelings of, you know, helplessness and, and you know, me being scared, um, me not really knowing what to do or, or if I could talk to anyone about it. Um, I was so shell-shocked from the experience that I didn't even really, I sort of told 
my mom, but also didn't tell her everything because I couldn't even uh, communicate the full um, details to her. So go for it. Um, yeah. That's the over. That's the overview of the situation, and I was able to come forward with my story in uh, January, and uh, there was a you know code of conduct complaint uh, brought against this person, and he ended up uh, admitting to what he had had done and uh, lost his job at that training center. And since then, I've, I've talked to news reporters, uh, you know, I've talked to, of course, uh, to you, Anthony, on Sunday edition. Um, there's going to be a big article coming out um, in the Littleton Independent, as well as the Colorado Sun about this issue um, that's been going on at this training, at this particular training center. So uh, there's a lot of good work that's been done around um, getting my story out, but also the stories of many other survivors around the country as well from different training centers. So when we, when we spoke last time, your emotions were up and down. Um, it, you know, it, it, it absolutely has to be difficult to put yourself back in, in the, you know, remembrance and go through details and, and have to remember how you felt. And, and I'm sure that it, the body gets tricked and, and you start to feel some of these things in the present because you're you're trying to recall how have things been since Sunday edition um is there any news within um has there been any movement with the various articles and we're going to talk about the ACB resolution in a little while as well absolutely um you know I would say that my it it really just kind of depends I think I think that my emotions are um I, I think they're definitely, uh, I can feel that, that things are, are evening out a bit more. Um, but you know, there are certain, there are certain situations where I think that, you know, things come back up again and, um, and it's definitely, it's definitely something to always be aware of. I think one of the, uh, the emotions, if uh, one of the worst emotions I probably feel is just, um, you know, severe, um, anxiety around around things and it shows up in um uh wanting to you know go beyond just meeting people and and making friends but actually just kind of exploring um you know relationships and that sort of thing um so that's i think when my emotions really um rear their ugly heads is um when i am uh feeling like I'm in a situation where I might be vulnerable. And I know that, you know, you're being a support shoulder ear uh, for some of the other survivors. It does, does being there, you know, and, and being their support take a toll on you as well? Um, I think, it, I think it can a little bit. It certainly, um, it certainly was like that with another um, podcast interview that we participated in together as a group, not, not here. Um, I was pretty shaken up over it uh, for a couple of weeks, but um, you know, it, 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 it gradually, you know, it gradually uh, evened out. There was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, unfortunately there was a lot of drama behind the scenes on that, on that show. 
um, which I won't go into the details <laughs> of all that here, but suffice it, suffice it to say it was not, it was not great. Um, and so that, that kind of, um, that kind of put myself in kind of a, a weird position as well as one of the other survivors that I was, you know, trying to, um, trying to help out. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I can say about that. But ultimately having the support system of, of at least some of the survivors does give you a, a shoulder to, to lean on. It does give you ears. How, yes, yes, definitely. How, how can you give our list, how can you make our listeners understand what that means to finally have spoken up and to have the support of others who have been through the same thing around you? <laughs> Well, a couple, a couple things. I think one of the biggest things I'd, I, I'd like to highlight here is that it, if you have an experience like this, if you've had an experience like this in your past and you, you are, um, you're, 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 you're struggling with, you know, knowing whether to come forward with it or not, um, I would say that coming forward with your story it really allows you to grow. It really allows you to grow as a person. And it just allows you to clear so much stuck energy that's in your heart, that's in your heart center. And I think that being able to open up that space in your heart center and being able to see yourself for who you are more clearly without that baggage on you all the time is is really important um when i came forward with my story and wrote everything down um i really was kind of unsure i was i, I was i was like well i'm not going to be able to I, I i bet i'm not going to be able to remember every detail of of the experience i bet i'm not going to be able to there's probably going to be a lot of things that i'm going to struggle to remember what I was surprised to find was even though my experience happened in 2006, when I started writing everything down, it was almost like it jumped out in par full paragraph form, completely organized. Uh, it was, it was, it was surreal. And uh, when I stopped and looked back at it after I had written everything down, I was actually very amazed. I, I was, I, I was kind of like, "Wow, Wayne, you actually, you, you, you put all that together." And I, and I spent about a day, you know, working on it, and you know, several hours just uh, at my computer, just uh, you know, typing away, and it just, I, it was like I didn't even have to think about it. And so the lesson I learned from that is these, these things you may not realize it, but in, in, in some situations, these things are just knocking on the door repeatedly. They're just, they're just waiting to be let, to let, be let free. And I think letting that, that old energy from your past, that trauma, moving that trauma out of your body and allowing that freedom for the trauma to move on is so important for your life and for your continued existence on this earth. 
um, it, it, it really will um, improve your quality of life. It will improve your outlook on yourself. It will improve your outlook on your friends, your family, those that you care about. It, it, it changes everything. And so if you are a survivor and you are listening to this right now, I would encourage you to find a way to come forward, whether that's with, uh, you know, a friend, whether that's with a therapist, whether you need to write down your story in full detail for someone to read. Um, However you decide to go forward is what's best for you, but find a way to show up for yourself and show yourself that self-love that you so desperately need and find a way to come forward. Um, If you guys are unaware, um, you can find the code of conduct complaint form on this other organization's website, and you can fill out a form there uh, explaining your, your grievance and someone will definitely get back to you. I will say that my case was handled expediently and with respect and dignity. And I, 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 I couldn't be more grateful for how, um, how swiftly that was, that was attended to. I want to transition in that direction. So thank you for, um, thank you for, for saying that. Um, there's been a, a preliminary report released. There's been um, a support group within that organization that's been enacted. Um, how do you feel at the current moment with the actions that have been taken thus far? Well, I, I haven't, I guess, followed everything as closely as maybe I should be following it. Um, I think one thing that I that I'll say that I have a problem with, uh, you know, policy wise, um, within the within you know this organization's standpoint on this, is uh, just suspensions. Um, you know, a lot of these perpetrators who have committed, you know, these 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 acts, and we're you know we're not just talking about molestation. We're talking about um, we're talking about rape. We're talking about all kinds of things like that. Okay. So yeah, yeah, uh, stalking, rape, um, molestation, um, harassment, um, grooming. You know, yeah, yeah, grooming, all, all, all different types of things. We're talking about a lot of that stuff. So uh, perpetrators are being uh, suspended from the organization, and and then you know, uh, as was the case with my perpetrator. Um, suspended for three years and then they say oh well you can come back to the organization but you can't come back in full you know you can come back in full fellowship but you can't run for any any office um you know my question to the to the world at large here would be um what other organization especially in the sighted world (laughs) would you see that would you see somebody you know get suspended you know, for an act of, of, you know, grave sexual misconduct, would you see a person just get suspended from your organization? No, I don't think so. I think those people would be completely, you know, just expelled. 
So I feel as though suspensions uh, just in general are a um, kind of a kind of a slap on the wrist um, and not really enough of a message to the community within that organization that this is no longer tolerated. We do not in any way, shape or form condone these acts of, of sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, violence, um, what, what, whatever that happens to be, we, we, we don't tolerate it. So that's, that's been a, a major issue that, that I've had. Um, also, I was informed, um, you know, around uh, their national convention that they had a, you know, meeting for survivors. And it was, you know, of course, the convention was all done via Zoom. And from what I understood, um, these survivors were basically just plopped into a Zoom room with somebody that they didn't even know, had no background information on them, and were just expected to talk to them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not something that I would really feel comfortable doing either in, in, in that type of a situation. I would want to know you know, what, like, who is this person? What are, you know, what are their credentials? Um, how long have they been, you know, in the, in the, in the field? Are they, or what are they? Are they a therapist? Are they a mindfulness coach? What, what, what is this? Um, so it, had it, they approached sort of, you for this panel? I'm sorry. Had they approached you for this panel? No, 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 no. Um, and I, and I'm not a member of the, of the, uh, organization, of course. So, um, but this is just what I've been told by, this is what I was told by other people. It's kind of like, um, you know, let, let, let's kick the, let's kick the trash down the street rather than, rather than picking it up and actually throwing it in the trash can where it belongs. Um, because we, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to make the effort to actually bend down and, you know pick it up. So I guess those are my thoughts on the, uh, on, on those two things. I haven't read the, uh, preliminary report. Um, I've been so busy, you know, with the, you know, prep for this, uh, musical and things like that. So I haven't, I haven't been, um, as, as I said, uh, as involved as, as maybe I, maybe I should be following this as closely as I should, but those are my thoughts so far on that issue. So I want to take a moment. Um, uh, in the last couple of weeks, an article came out um, from New Orleans that attributed quotes to um, certain ACB board members. Um, it's my understanding that the person, the person who wrote the article, um, I, I having worked with the Associated Press for over 10 years, refrained from calling that person a true reporter, but um, sat in on a, on a ACB uh, community call about resolutions and then wrote the article from the perspective as though they had been an invited member or, or and had had one-on-one -on -one conversations with certain persons. A retraction was printed, um, I believe, early last week about that I article. That. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to make that clear for anyone listening that if they did come across that article, 
um, that was not an official ACB sanctioned piece in any way, shape or form and a, retra- and a retraction was printed up. Other than that article, the podcasts, um, you know, excluding Sunday edition, because you're here, obviously, do you feel like you've gotten, you know, accurate representation? Um, do you feel that there's been, you know, a really well telling of, of the situation out there? Yes, I do. I do. I mean, there, there's, you know, I think, I think there's always, there's always more that can be done. Um, and there's certainly, um, you know, I would love to, you know, see more survivors uh, of this type of uh, abuse from these, these training centers get more involved and, 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 and feel, you know, comfortable speaking out about these things and not just writing things down, but actually, you know, participating in these podcast interviews. I think the stronger our voice gets, I think the, the more opportunity we have for the world at large to really know what's going on. And it puts more pressure on the other organization to actually make structural changes that can help prevent these types of things from happening in the future. You and I spoke, uh, you know, a fair amount in, in the last interview about the culture, um, both of the, you know, the other organization and the training center you're involved in and, and various camps and things. Do, do you believe that, that with the culture and the kind of mission value proposition forward that, you know, that is so embedded in, in the other organization, can, can structural reform happen under the current leadership and, and um, you know, gui- guidelines and code of conduct, et cetera, et cetera, the culture that's, that's in existence now? I, I would say that I, I don't, I, I guess I don't want to say no, but I also don't want to say yes, because, and, and, you know, I always like to, I always like to, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I do, I do think that this situation has gone on for so long and, and there has been so many things that, that have been covered up. The culture uh, in the organization is definitely, uh, you know, proved itself to be a, a breeding ground for this type of abuse. Um, so I, 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 I don't know if the current leadership has what it takes to really, you know, bring, to bring that, um, to, to get that in check. Um, I know that, that a lot of people say that the entire national board of, of that organization needs to resign. And I do fully support that 100%. But I'm going to, I'm going to say what I've always said, which is if those people resign, I don't know who would be brought in um, because I feel like they would just come from the same culture that's been in existence for, you know, so many years. So the, the trust that I have in, in, in anyone in installing, um, you know, leadership going forward that would make positive change in that organization is slim to none. Um, I also want to say that that for the training centers uh, specifically, that you know, if if there is no um, immediate 
action to restructure how these training centers operate from the ground up, they need to close because we don't need people going to these training centers and feeling and being in unsafe and dangerous situations. That's a, that's a, that's a really, that's a really big thing. If the centers cannot restructure their philosophy, their teachings, their, their ethical practices, they need to close. And, and that's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. Segwaying sideways a little bit. Sure. When did you, when did you, I'm sorry, actually, I want to go here first. Um, you mentioned you felt as though they heard you, they listened to you. Um, are you satisfied that they have heard you and are you satisfied with whatever response they've given you thus far? Yes. Yes. I, I, I definitely, I definitely am satisfied. The only thing I will say is what I said earlier about, about suspensions. And I, and, you know, I, I, I suppose I could have, you know, filed an appeal, I suppose, but I, 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 it was, it wasn't one, it wasn't something that I, I wanted to, you know, beat against the wall. Um, he lost his job at the center. That was the, that was the main thing that, that, that needed to happen. But I'm going to go back and reiterate what I said about members being suspended from the, from the organization at large. Um, it absolutely must be that people, that people who are perpetrators of these types of, of acts, they need to be removed permanently, not three years, not five years, not 10 years, permanently. So that's the only thing that I will say about that. As far as how my case was handled, um, who I spoke with, you know, was very professional about, about the, the incident. Um, the, the, uh, investigator that they, that they brought in was great. Um, every, everything, you know, I will say was, was really good. Um, as far as that goes, I know. And I know that that's not every survivor's experience, but I wanted to ask you that question specifically because I think that there's a lot of misconception out there that, flatly everyone has been treated horribly not listened to not paid attention to etc and you know i want to be fair across the board and quite a few survivors have expressed that their their personal interviews etc etc the way you're expressing it that they were satisfied they were treated respectfully they were listened to and and i can't i'm not going to ask you to speak for anyone else but you do concur that for your specific situation you were treated respectfully and, and you're yes. satisfied thus far. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Although I, you know, I, I will say I, 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 and I don't know by name specifically, but I, I do know that there, you know, there, there have been, I, I, I know that there have been other survivors who have been, you know, discouraged from, you know, filling out the code of conduct complaint form and, 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 you know, moving forward. I'm not sure who those people are, but, but I, I, I've heard, I've heard things here and there about people being discouraged about, about coming forward. So if, if you are one of those people listening to this, um, you know, know that, that you have my full support in, in dealing with your experiences in in whatever way you choose to do so. And um, of course, there are a lot of people 
you know, out there who, you know, who can, who can also support you both, you know, in the organization, I think, and, and on the outside. Um, I think people are, are really shocked about, about this um, and are really having to realign their perspectives on how this organization functions. Wayne and some of the other survivors helped me put together um, a small package of some of the articles um, where you can go to get the code of conduct form, just a full package of, of information. So if anybody out there listening would like that information, you can always email Sunday edition at celebration. That's the word celebration with my initials, A-C-E-L-E-B-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-C at AOL.com. And we can forward that package of information, including, like I said, articles and um, places to reach out for support. When did you first hear about the ACB resolution? Oh, let's see. I don't know if, (laughs) Anthony, I don't remember a specific date. Um, I think it was probably a couple of months ago. And um, did you have you had a chance to to hear it through fully, read it through fully? I I have not had the chance to hear it through fully. I I I know what the basis of the resolution is about, and I know what the you know I know what the objective I know what the objective is, um, well, and is I'm in full time. support of it. Awesome! This is the perfect time to ask Margie to unmute herself again, Ms. Margie Donovan. I am unmuted, Mr. Corona. How may I be of assistance? Well, um, you can Welcome get ready to queue up that, um, that resolution. No. Is there anything you no. want to say about no. the resolution before you actually play it for us? Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I guess I just want to take a few minutes to talk about my partnership here with the survivors and what drove me to this resolution. Sorry about Victor. He's getting ready. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I worked in a rehab setting for part of my career um, and it was with the federal government. And one thing I know, and, and most of our clients were men, however, we did have some women. The one thing I know is people in a rehab setting are very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Tell them, for example, they don't need Braille. They're going to go, okay. Um, I've seen in that rehab setting an affair between a current student and a staff member. And I think that we in rehab settings as staff members are um, very much respected, maybe even worshipped to a certain extent. Uh, we hold a high value to people going through those programs because we are giving them their independence. And, and support. And, and support, that's right. And, and when I heard about this, um, there was two things that really concerned me. Um, that these situations that we're speaking of primarily, although not exclusively, have taken place in two rehab settings, the Colorado Center, and the Louisiana Center. And I should say I am a parent and there's a very parental protective side of me. And one of the cases involved a 13 year old minor. And um, this was a summer program. 
And that really brought out the parent in me, very protective, very angry, and this has got to stop. And then I'll say the final thing, and that is I am absolutely still at disbelief that neither of these directors, directors yep. have yep. been removed from their positions, and at least one of them is on the other organization's board of directors and very high up. This concerns me. Um, there's one thing, one other thing I was going to say, and I forgot it. Um, let me see the board. The board. Oh, and, and the other thing that really got to me, I, I I could not believe it to be honest. I mean, I could believe more of the sexual assault, sadly enough, than the other type of abuse, the belittling of people with the harassment. Yeah. Um, the forcing of learning skills, you know, under under um, RSA um, Rehab Services Administration are, uh, are, and in the medical model, in which I work, clients have choice. If I don't want to learn A, I don't have to learn A. That's my choice. And in these rehab settings, clients are not given any choice. They're forced to do things. Oh, sorry about that. Um, they're forced to do things that may even have been against their morals and certainly against what they're comfortable with. And that really bothered me. So I've been very, very, very active in this. And I'm so excited. We're finally getting an article in the Colorado newspapers. That was one of my original ideas. And I'm glad um, we have some people that actually truly know how to do that. That's not my forte. I sent a few emails, never got a response. So I'm really excited to see this article. And without any further ado, I will play this. And Anthony, interrupt if, if it's not loud enough. Okay. okay. Resolution 2021-04. Resolution addressing allegations of sexual assault, harassment, and abuse at blindness and other rehabilitation programs. Whereas in recent months, scores of credible allegations have surfaced regarding sexual assault, harassment, and other forms of inappropriate behavior of a sexual nature, as well as charges of bullying and demeaning conduct on the part of students and staff at the Colorado and Louisiana Centers for the Blind Residential Rehabilitation Facilities, and whereas states have authorized expenditures of tax dollar taxpayer dollars to send consumers who are blind or who, who have low vision at their request to those and other residential rehabilitation centers. And whereas there have been anecdotal reports over the years of similar sexual and other misconduct occurring at residential rehabilitation centers, as well as other community-based rehabilitation programs throughout the country and Whereas the American Council of the Blind, ACB, views with alarm the growing number of reports of sexual and other forms of abuse committed against consumers who are blind or have low vision throughout the country. And whereas despite the urging of advocates for blind and low vision individuals, there has been little national or statewide effort to address this issue. And whereas the rehabilitation Services Administration, RSA, has the fiscal oversight, enforcement power, and statutory responsibility necessary to establish standards, 
mandate compliance and establish and maintain metrics for funded agencies. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind, assembled telephonically on the 29th day of September 2021, that this organization urge in the strongest possible language the Rehabilitation Services Administration to establish comprehensive standards of conduct and ongoing verification that such standards are being adhered to by all residential rehabilitation training centers, community rehabilitation programs, CRPs, service providers, and all other individuals contracted to provide rehabilitation services to people who are blind or have low vision as part of RSA's ongoing monitoring processes and be it further resolved that RSA direct state rehabilitation agencies to include in their state plans, policies, procedures, and practices to ensure that documented allegations of sexual misconduct and or bullying be appropriately investigated, resolved, and reported to state rehabilitation councils, SRCs, the consumer entities responsible for providing input and oversight to state rehabilitation departments and commissions into RSA, and be it further resolved that state rehabilitation departments and commissions serving consumers who are blind or have low vision immediately suspend all approvals for consumers to attend any residential rehabilitation training center for which documented allegations of sexual or other abuse misconduct have been made until such time as the department or commission determines that the issues arising from any documented allegation have been addressed in accordance with standards to be developed by the state entity and or RSA pursuant to this resolution. And be it further resolved that copies of this resolution be forwarded to all ACB state affiliates for consideration and possible adoption of similar resolutions urging their state rehabilitation departments or commissions to review and update existing policies and procedures related to the handling of documenting allegations of sexual and other misconduct, as well as the training of agency staff, staff of all residential rehabilitation centers in the state, staff and contractors associated with community rehabilitation programs, for-profit vendors and others offering evaluation, equipment setup and training to blind and low vision consumers, and be it further resolved that any such state resolution should include at a minimum the following recommendations. Number one, establish a specific code of conduct to which all residential rehabilitation training staff, center staff, vendor, vendors, CRPs, and individual Sorry. Download completed. service providers will be expected to adhere. Number two, draft policies and procedures for persons who are blind or have low vision who have experienced sexual assault, harassment, abuse, or bullying to report confidentially such experiences. Number three, establish an anonymous hotline where survivors of sexual or other misconduct by a vendor as part of a community rehabilitation program or other residential rehabilitation training center can report such misconduct with confidence and privacy. Number four, identify a single point of contact within the department commission who shall be responsible for addressing allegations of sexual assault, harassment, and abuse at any of its contracted programs or during provisions of services. Number five, modify the procedure for certifying a CRP or vendor to include all aspects of how allegations of sexual assault, harassment, and abuse are dealt with throughout the consumer's experience. 
Number six, require each for-profit vendor and CRP board to annually certify to the state rehabilitation entity that their business organization has met the standards which the department commission has promulgated regarding the reporting, confidentiality, and resolution of all documented allegations of sexual assault, harassment, and abuse. Number seven, develop specific standards for any contracted party who enters the home or domicile of a consumer with such standards to become part of the state's annual certification of both for-profit vendors and CRP entities. Number eight, require background checks, including live scan fingerprinting for state department commission employees, CRP staff who work closely with consumers who are blind or have low vision, and contractors who visit consumers' place, places of residence to provide services. Number nine, develop and implement where lacking policies and procedures to provide annual training to rehabilitation department commission staff, personnel of all CRP and for-profit contractors and their executives, utilizing an independent trainer certified and specializing in matters of sexual assault, harassment, abuse, and other forms of misconduct. Such training to include the proper investigation and resolution of documented allegations of inappropriate conduct of a sexual nature and other forms of abuse. Number 10, contract with an independent trainer certified and specializing in matters of sexual assault, harassment, abuse, and other forms of misconduct to provide consumers with training on what constitutes sexual misconduct. Number 11, contract with an independent trainer certified and specializing in matters of sexual assault, harassment, abuse, and other forms of misconduct to provide counseling or referrals for counseling services for victims and perpetrators were appropriate of such misconduct. Number 12, ensure that information on how to report an incident of sexual or other misconduct is clearly, widely, and constantly available to consumers and service provider employees. And number 13, report annually to RSA, the State Rehabilitation Council, and or appropriate blind low vision advisory body, the number and characteristics of instances of sexual assault, harassment, abuse, or other forms of misconduct affecting any consumer who is blind or has low vision, such annual reporting to be re redacted so as not to disclose confidential or identifying information, but to provide a statistical report of the statewide level of such documented allegations, and be it further resolved that the actions contained in and resulting from each affiliate's resolution be reflected in recommendations set forth in that state's state plan and be it further resolved that a copy of this resolution be forwarded to advocacy organizations representing people who are blind or have low vision, as well as to entities representing community rehabilitation programs, for-profit vendors and others offering evaluation, equipment setup and training to blind and low vision consumers. Adopted, Denise Colley, Secretary. There you have it, Anthony. Well a few things about that and how it came about yeah well first on first of all thank you for having that recorded for us and read for us um i know you worked closely with mitch pomerantz i wanted to ask yeah, you to, yeah. to um give a shout out to him and to and to anyone else who i mean that's incredibly thorough um I, it feels like it covers everything from soup to nuts and we'll break into some specifics in a few minutes but give your shout outs please um, yeah, I really want to acknowledge Mitch Pomerantz, colleague and dear friend, who ended up finalizing the resolution in California. Um, we started out with a team of five, 
And then it came down to Mitch and I. Um, Mitch serves on our state rehab um, blind advisory council. And this topic was brought up there. And, um, <clears throat> and not, it was pretty much ignored. And so then Mitch um, wrote a draft policy document. And at the next committee meeting, task force meeting, um, he presented it and the, our director was there and our director made a statement that really sent me over the edge. And what our director said is, well, there's a couple of things that was being said. One, which is, this is no different than a college. We cannot do anything about it. And it's very different than a college, extremely different. First of all, you have campus police, you have reporting authority, et cetera. I'm not gonna spend my time on that, but it's extremely different. Then the second statement that was made was, I have only seen newspaper articles and I cannot act based on newspaper articles. Well, I'm no longer on that task force and haven't been for years, but I attended and I had to wait my turn to speak up. But when I did, I addressed our director directly and our director, I'll, I'll use Stacy's name since it's out there and she's very familiar with this whole situation. Um, I said to our director, I said, I know that Stacy has had numerous conversation with you directly about her own personal experience. Therefore, you know factual information. At that point, <clears throat> he didn't know what to say. I won't say what he looked like because I got a lot of visual input, but he was put on the spot. And um, we decided to begin a resolution for the California Council of the Blind, known as CCB. And it took many, many hours. And um, one of the, it's really interesting because one of the things I wanted in there from the beginning was this had to go to RSA. And it, it, Mitch and I laugh about it. Some things I had said it had to be done, he disagreed. And in the end, we both agreed. <laughs> so it's just part of the process. I also want to acknowledge the, uh, the ACB Resolutions Committee. This came um, to the committee three times um, because they wanted rewrites. We wanted to make sure that this went out as a very professional and effective resolution without finger pointing at any organization, because the same things can happen in um, private organizations, state-ran organizations, and we know that somehow, to the extent that we're experiencing from a consumer organization, that's pretty unusual. And the one thing Mitch has said, <laughs> this is the longest resolution he ever wrote. Well, it was much longer before, before it got pared down. And um, I know that this has been shared all over our state with our governor, with our secretary of state, with our department of rehab director, with his boss under Department of Health and Human Services, many, many different entities. Um, I've shared this on the O&M and TBI Facebook page. I think um, our teachers need to know where they're sending their kids in the summer and what's going on. Um, and the resolution for anybody that would like to see it themselves, just go to acb.org slash resolution. And I'm not gonna swear to this, I was looking at it last night, I think it's 2104, but you'll know by the title, it's pretty obvious. And so anyone that had a hand in this, thank you very much. It came out really, really well. What responses have you received 
uh, outside of our organization? Um, well, formally, I don't believe we've received any responses, but I'm not necessarily privy to that because it's out of our hands. It's now in ACB staff hands. And they're the ones that send it out to the various entities and that consumer organization did get a copy. And um, we have had no response from that organization directly. Um, and um, I know that the survivors I've shared it with are very happy about the resolution and was really hoping that we would do something like this. So I know you have um, you have gotten an, an opportunity to look at the preliminary interim report that was released. Um, I, I will say that it seems as though that there have been quite a few steps to to match some of what's in the resolution. Quite a few steps. I know they're working with Rain. Um, our uh, Rain is a, a sexual abuse survivor organization. Um, they created the hotline. Uh, um, a um, confidential um, independent hotline. They created the survivors group. So what is your, what is your feeling on, on their response internally or, or, you know, or what we've heard from their response internally mm -hmm. so far? Um, I, I don't think they're doing enough. So I've heard as recently as um, a week and a half ago that some survivors who have come forward on a podcast, and I'd like to know where I can hear that podcast, receives calls from leadership about this, harassing them. These people have never received calls from leadership before. And so the harassment is still going on, at least to some extent. I'm not internal, I do not know. But I will repeat my statement. Uh, well, actually, let me just go back to the article that was written by um, the gal who was involved with the uh, um, United States, um, oh, the, the, the Athletic Association, um, US, Team USA, Team USA and those uh, molestation and sexual assault charges. In her article, she said something, and I'm not quoting her, Something to the effect that this will never be resolved until there's a change of leadership. And I think Wayne alluded to that, that the whole board needs to resign. Um, the fact that they have not removed the directors of two centers where many of these cases have taken place tells me that they are not at all serious about resolving this. Because the very first thing you do is you report these incidences. And none of these incidences, to the best of my knowledge, was reported to authority by these center directors. And um, I don't know what training they do with their staff or summer staff. Um, one of the persons who worked there in the summer and, and experienced um, her, her camper um, being molested uh, could not recall that far back um, if they go through HR training. I know our beloved camp Enchanted Hills for the Blind here in California, our summer staff goes through one whole day of H&R training and mandatory reporting. And it should be known whether you're an adult or in a child any abuse like this that goes on, it, we are all mandated, mandated reporters in these centers. And so the fact that nothing has gone on, the fact that now since the newspaper has contacted Colorado Center 
and people are getting harassed by that, getting calls and going, did you talk to the reporter? Don't talk to the reporter. Um, I don't, I, I think they've made steps. I will say that. I don't think they have ever taken this serious enough. And I won't ever believe that until at least these two directors are gone. I have heard from, you know, I've spoken to a few survivors directly um, and other people that were involved in presenting the story to, to some of the media outlets. And one of the things that was said over and over again is there shouldn't be an immediate committee commission, whatever you want to call it, oversight that is going to pop up on, you know, unannounced at these centers, at summer training yeah. sessions, multiple, multiple times and doing a thorough audit, walkthrough, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what terminology you call it, but popping up, you know, multiple times throughout the season and making sure that at, from this point forward, you know, all ethical standards, all, you know, there have been reports of, of big parties in the dormitories and, and shenanigans going on that should not be going on when you have children that are 12, 13 years old, mixing with teenagers who are 15, 17, and even young adults in their 20s. Um, and, and so that there should be an oversight immediately implemented to, to, to you know, catch these things as they're occurring. There are many agencies, and I know that this particular organization only believes in internal agencies, education and program, but there's an agency called CARF, and that though that is an accrediting agencies for rehabilitation centers. I know the VA uses it in their blind rehab centers. I know many non-for-profits use it. And um, there's also in hospitals and JACO. And JACO now comes into hospitals unannounced. They used to announce that they're coming and now they just show up unannounced like you're talking about. And that's for the whole medical side of the hospital. And they look at all kinds of patient care records and et cetera, et cetera. And that's the type of thing I think you're talking about. But it, it, in my opinion, it could not be an internal body. It could, it could have members from the organization on it, but it should not be solely made up by members and leaders of the organization. We need a totally neutral, honest um, evaluation done. And I, and I really support that. And I'm going to ask this to both you and Wayne. What do parents need to know? What should they be investigating before they allow their, their children to to head off to training centers or summer um, uh, summer training or exhibitions, ex camps, etc. What do they need to know? Yeah, what do they need to know? What should they be asking? Well, I I think they need honestly to know what has happened. Um, I think they need to know that their child is at risk of this happening. Um, I wouldn't send my child there at all if uh, I were in a position right now or possibly in the future, depends how this is handled. So I think parents need, uh, you know, parents get referred there generally by someone in the organization or um, a rehab counselor, depending on the age, if they're in the transition age or by a TVI. And I'm a firm believer that we have to reveal the positive and the negative. 
about the programs. And I believe that in general, when you're referring someone to a rehab center or summer program or that, that we, the pros and cons, what's good, what's bad, the good, bad, and the ugly. And so the parents have the information. Um, and I don't know how to get this information out to the parents other than the trust that people will convey this. However, I do believe that people who are internal to such organization and they have people running uh, not their centers, but state centers and private centers, um, unfortunately, they're not gonna probably review all the facts and truth about this type of a situation. Um, so I think it's our job to keep this in the media. I think it's our job to keep TVIs and O&Mers and transition youth coordinators informed in of these programs and what's gone on. There are many, many programs out there in the country right now that's for transition, transition age youth. And there's some really, really good ones where there hasn't been any of this type of shenanigan going on. Well, I know Margie, I was- I wanted to, um, sorry, oh, Kathy, I just wanted to, I just wanted to jump in real quick and, and, and say that I think we need to even take this a step further. And, and, and I think that if a child especially is old enough, you know, to understand, you know, these types of things, let's say they're, they're a teenager. Um, I think that, you know, teachers, uh, TBIs, O&M instructors need to make children who are who are especially in their teens aware of these types of situations and if they had you know found out about the the summer camps from these particular training centers i think that the children themselves need to understand why it's not a good place for them to be and i also think that children of this age need to start getting into conversations about you know consent and you know what what is appropriate and what what's not interactions with you know with uh you know staff members instructors and and their peers because this type of education clearly has not been given enough or else would we really be in this would we be in this situation maybe we would but uh to the level that we are we are in this situation is just it's uh, the breadth of the situation is just astronomical. And there have been so many complaints around this. So I want the parents to know why mm -hmm. these places are unsafe, but I want children who are able to understand to know why these places are unsafe too. I think it's very important. I, I agree with you. Um, I think it's more of a challenge in working with children on this topic. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that too. <laughs> yeah, depending on the state, you know, this borderline sex education and some states require a parent to sign. Um, you know, if they're 18, I don't have a problem, but under 18, we've got some very serious barriers put on by other states, but as long as the parents know, it's up to them to discuss it. If they want you to meet with their child, you can do that, but we, it has to begin with the parent. Absolutely. So I'm curious, um, I, I was sent an article this morning and I was not able to get through the full article, but basically the state of Maryland has contracted with an um, agency that works with the Louisiana Center 
um, to send all of their state. We have uh, cases there through summer camps and, and some of their other outreach programs. Do you think now is the right time to be building coalitions no nope. states rehab centers? Nope. And I think that a if we have a Maryland survivor, um, that organization's very heavy in Maryland. And I think if we have survivors there, or if we have any survivors that's willing to go speak with the um, director of the commission or state rehab program, um, I think this, I think they're not aware of this. And maybe a copy of our resolution needs to go to that uh, that state director, but that can't come from us. That has to come from the Maryland blind people, like the ACB of Maryland. Um, and I do think I do think this is not a time, and I think that no contracts like that should be set up until they address the issue at hand that's never been addressed. So Maryland doesn't know what's going on. And who knows, I might even look up Maryland and send them a copy of the resolution, but I'll work with our Maryland affiliate. Um, that's kind of what I do is some of the groundwork when I hear things like this. Um, it's, you know, this is why we were so insistent on this resolution is that so we can protect people. And I can guarantee you 100% that they don't know what's going on because no agency director is going to set up a program like this knowing that people under age and over age have been sexually assaulted and molested and harassed and belittled. I wonder if we can shift directions a little bit again. I wonder if either one or both of you can speak a little bit to conventions and other large groupings that might not necessarily be training centers or or summer programs, um, you know, I've I've heard chatter that there are a lot of parent parental groups out there that are are now looking at whether or not sending their children to you know to conventions or even sports um, uh, tournaments and things. Um, this is something, you know, medical conventions, sports, this is something that's been happening, that's happened, you know, throughout time. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that? I'd like to talk about that slightly. And um, in general, um, parents are hesitant to send their kids to sleepover camps. That's just uh, prior to all this. This is just a generic thing, a societal thing. And um, one of the ways we handle it with a camp that I support um, is we have family camp sessions and that's the feed into our camp. So the family comes, they see the staff, uh, the girls, I'll take down the girls town and do an overnight with, and they get the experience and that often feeds into our camp. And I think um, that that really helps our camp to stay full. I think we have to involve the family and build that trust in the family because it's so with sighted kids as well. Now, I also want to say, as much as I love ACB, I have not experienced anything like this in ACB, but I have experienced people coming on to me and I won't say inappropriately touching me, but you know, the first, the first thing of, of, of uh, coming on to someone is often a statement or touching them and it may not be inappropriately. And I have made a practice in my life, and whether it's at a convention, whether it's at a chapter, whether it's at something entirely different, not blindness related, 
But if somebody touches me unwelcomingly, and I'm not talking, trying to touch me to help me to find a chair. Uh, I'm talking that is very per- much perceived as coming on to me. I yell, and those of you that know me know I can yell, and I have a booming voice to begin with, but I want people to know. So I yell as loud as I can, and I don't, I'm going to use the F, okay, but I use the word. I yell, get your effing hands off of me right now. So that follows two things. That follows making clear that I don't want to be touched. And it follows communicating what it is I want and don't want. Plus, it gets the attention of anyone around me. And RAIN and programs like that, they tell you to yell. They tell you to get people's attention. And I do it at the very beginning. I don't want you to be touching me inappropriately. As soon as you start coming on to me uh, and touching me, it's over. And it's over clearly. So uh, that's one way I handle it in any situation where that might occur, not just in our organization, Um, because I do believe it occurs in many, many organizations. I I tend to think these type of situations occur at professional conferences, especially alcohol in them. You know, they're away from home or a little free. And I don't care. I'm not a doctor, so I wouldn't be at a doctor's conference. But if I was, I'd still handle it in the same way. Thanks. Wayne brought up something earlier that I wanted to touch back on. And, you know, that um, you also spoke about it in a different in a different way, Margie. And that's the you know, that's the trust. What I what I always like to call the teacher crush syndrome. You know, there is a level of trust that happens that it, that you know facilitates when you are working so intensely with an O and M instructor or away at a training center, and you know you have counselors and and various support staff that you're with twenty four hours a day. So there's a level of trust and bond that happens. What um what what I liked um about the resolution is that you know it it addresses. Uh, it, or it, it seeks to address an oversight for communication and for you know, to make sure that there's never, you know, a he said, she said situation in a one-on-one mode. Um, the culture of grooming is something that, you know, we're all very, very concerned about. How, how do we look for warning signs of grooming and, and what do we do if it's happening to us or if we think it's happening to someone, you know, that one of our peers. Wayne, you want to go first? I was going to think Wayne would be great for that. Did we lose him? Well, oh, I'm still here. I'm still here. Um, Anthony, could you could you just ask the question one one more time? I just want to make sure I'm I'm getting all the details. Um. So grooming. You know, the yeah. culture, unfortunately, just is just rife for a grooming situation, whether it be at a training center or, you know, one on one specialized instructions instruction. So, you know, what are warning signs that we should look for? What do we do if we think we're being groomed or, you know, more importantly, if we're around someone and we see signs of it and they can't speak up for themselves? You know, I, I I'm going to have a hard time answering this question because my experience was all very much behind closed doors. Um, so I, I think that there are, there are certain situations out there 
um, in these in these training centers that might be, um, you know, that might be more open. Um, but but there again, uh, also other experiences, other situations like mine, which were very very discreet. No one ever really knew that it was happening. There was no you know statements you know made in 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 public that would have ever given anybody the impression that I was being you know manipulated and 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 uh, coerced and, and and things like that to do things um so I think that could be hard depending on on the situation I think that really the the the, the culture of of bullying and uh, harassment just in general needs to be addressed first I think that's the I think that's the biggest thing that that I can really say needs to be addressed because I think that, and I'm just speaking from my own personal experience on this, that those of us who are targeted, um, oftentimes I think, especially, you know, in my case, I didn't really fit the mold. You know, I wasn't at a training center because I wanted to be there. I was at a training center because my parents wanted me to go there. Um, all I really wanted to do was all I really wanted to do was practice. All I wanted to do was <laughs> learn how to play the yeah, learn how to play the trumpet better. That was what I wanted to do, and that was you know that was what I knew, and that was how I'm that's how I'm wired, and so that's you know that's that's what I wanted to focus on. My parents wanted me to go to. Um, this training center in Colorado before I went to um, before I went to music school. So, so that being said, you know, uh, my, I, I think I was targeted because I was kind of the partially because I was the 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 different one. I was the one that you know didn't really didn't really like all the philosophy and and wanted to go my own way and do my own thing. And I think that possibly maybe made me attractive to that person um i know that that you know just in relationships just in general that people that are different who 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 don't um you know fit the the quote unquote mold if you will i know that, that people can be attracted to somebody that 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 stands out i think also that people are predators perpetrators the like I think are also attracted to people who are weak and who they know that they, you know, they won't, they won't tell anything. They won't say anything if they, if they, um, if they get uh, molested or if they get raped or, you know, that I think predators are pretty calculative about, about <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, so I guess that's what I have to say about that. Um, if, you know, I think if you do notice, you know, somebody, you know, making comments to a student, you know, oh, I really, I really like the way you laugh, or, you know, I really like your hair, or, you know, things like that. If you start noticing, if we start noticing, you know, things like that, and especially if we know that that student um, is, you know, a weaker student, maybe has low self-esteem, or, you know, something like that, we need to make sure and report that instructor um, for making those comments, whether that's a summer counselor or whether that's a instructor in an adult 
program, those people need to be dealt with right away and um, make, make sure that, that those young impressionable students are not being targeted both in public and behind closed doors. Wow, thank you for that. Comment and a question. Um, so Wayne, I agree with you that it needs to be reported. But as we know, several of these cases were reported and nothing was done. That's right. That's exactly and right. And so that makes it even harder because you report next. Yeah. Quote unquote, the principal slash director. And oh, oh, they're just brushing it under the carpet. So this continues. And what I'll say, I'm not so sure that um, grooming itself goes on in the center. Um, I think this is way more about trust. You, you've got this relationship with your instructor. They're giving you independence. You're very excited to learn. And you trust these people, especially when it comes to cooking an O&M, because you're working with gas grills or gas stoves, and you're not burning yourself. And your parents told you you'd never be able to do this kind of stuff. And so it's really the trust that um, allows an instructor to manipulate a student. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Exactly. And, and just to elaborate on that, just a, just a, just a tiny bit, you know, um, when you have grown up in the NFB, or, like I did, um, you know, these people are these people are are role models to you. Uh, because you know they're 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 sort of um, especially I will say the 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 cane travel instructors um, mm -hmm. they're they're sort of idolized because you know they can cross any type of street and and they're not they seem to be you know totally unscathed by any sort of you know traffic situation or anything that comes their way and so I think we kind of give you know. Uh, whether we whether we like it or not, yeah. we kind of give them sort of a superhero yeah. um, mentality, yeah. and I think that I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that cane travel instructors in this culture and and in this organization are some of the worst offenders of bullying and harassment because I think mm -hmm. they know that they are the all stars of the show and they can get away with murder. And, mm -hmm. and, and I've heard of instances from, you know, not of, not of sexual uh, nature, but I have, I have known of other people yeah. who have been bullied by cane travel instructors from a couple of these centers. And, you know, they, the, the cane travel, uh, I would say those people are um, culturally, they, they have a pedestal above the rest and they have more license to be cruel because All of right. that. All right, Mar Margie, stick around. We're gonna open up for comments and questions in a moment. So if you have anything you wanna ask or you wanna discuss with Margie, myself or Wayne, please raise your hand. Um, Wayne, I wanna ask you, um, <laughs> let me do it this way instead. Um, can you share with our listeners how your life you, you you mentioned in in our one-on-one -on -one interview that you lost your music for a while and and you lost your confidence. Can you go a little bit more into you know how this situation affected your life back then before you decided to come forward 
and how you are now. I, I think it's really important to hear from a survivor. We can all empathize and imagine how we would feel, but I think it's really important from soup to nuts for them to hear it, you know, from you directly. Definitely. Well, you know, it's, it, it's, it's funny because I don't think the full effects of what happened to me in Colorado hit me right away. Um, I think it took, I think it took some time and I think it took uh, me actually being out on my own uh, to start, you know, questioning who I was, what, you know, what, who, who am I as a, as a person beyond the, uh, <laughs> beyond the, uh, the horn on my face all the time. Uh, <laughs> and which that's a, you know, that's a, that's a big part of it. And uh, so I had not really addressed a lot of my identity um, before I was on my own. And I think a lot of who I was to be, I think, um, you know, was sort of, uh, I, I don't want to say that it was forced upon me, but I, I, I will say that I was a la- around a lot of very rigid ideals. And um, I, I, in my heart, I was trying to reject those, but I didn't exactly know how to do it. So I think that over time, you know, going through music school, I think I started out with tons of confidence. I came, I came in, you know, you know, mowing the the walls down. I was knocking down trumpet repertoire like all over the place. I was, I was, you know, trying to write music. I was trying to do all the all these things, and something, I, you know, I think it was a combination of of you know me having a lot of accessibility issues. Um, in school, I think it was, you know, maybe some some issues in my in my personal life. Um, all of a sudden, I, I started noticing that I was having same sex attractions. Um, I immediately, you know, once I started noticing that, I immediately uh, recoiled and 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 went, you know, really really inward, and, and not not in the sense of I stopped doing things or stopped going to classes or you know any of that stuff. But what I what I mean is that I I, I kept a secret for a very 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 long time, and um, and I think over time I gradually became more and more fearful of trying new things, um, more and more fearful of of you know learning new things. Uh, being curious about the world. And I got into a situation over time where I was just, I was comfortable, but I wasn't really comfortable if that, if that makes any sense. And uh, I was also dealing with my, with my dad um, rapidly progressing through uh, Alzheimer's disease. And that was on top of all of that stuff was a lot to, uh, a lot to digest and a lot to metabolize in the nervous system. Um, so, you know, uh, my, my, my father passed in 2017 and I went on for, you know, a few more years, uh, well, until really, uh, December when I, um, when this was all starting to come out, when this started coming out, I, you know, I was, I was, I was definitely getting, getting better. I was definitely, you know, coming to terms more with who I was, um, with, with who I've become that, that sort of thing, as far as my identity goes. Um, but when this all started coming to a head and, and the stories were getting out, um, I found out about Stacy's work from a friend of mine. And, um, when I watched a couple of YouTube videos that Stacy had been a part of at the time, 
I said, oh my God, this all makes so much sense. I have to get in touch with her right away. And so I found her on Twitter. I said, hey, I unfortunately have a bad story for you about this. And she said, okay, well, you know, I'm not collecting, you know, stories for Facebook anymore, but feel free to send it to me and, um, and we will address that. Since I did that, you know, as I mentioned to you guys earlier um, about opening up your heart center, allowing more space in your life, um, I showed up for myself when I did that. And I showed myself love and compassion by saying to myself, I'm going to get this story out. It's going to hurt and it's going to hurt a lot, but I need to do this because maybe we can actually make a difference. Maybe we can actually fix what's going on. Since I've come out with my story, since I've come forward with my story, I can say that my personal growth has been exponential, even though I feel as though um, I'm still in a, in, in a vulnerable place. Um, it's just, just being able to have a more positive outlook on the things that I do every day of my life um, is, is a very, very, very powerful thing. And I did not realize how much I needed this to happen. Um, I will say that I don't think that this would have been able to happen uh, in as effective of a way uh, any earlier than when it did because of the platform that we have been given to get our mm, stories out that's and a really make good, our voices yeah. heard. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, I think that um, everything, <laughs> everything was supposed to happen the way it was supposed to happen. And I'm grateful that I've been able to share my story on so many platforms and with so many people and, you know, show up for myself each day and also show up for my community. And, um, you know, and all of us are in this together, whether you're a survivor of sexual misconduct or uh, sexual abuse at a training center or in the organization at large, we're all in this boat together. This affects every single one of us because we all have to do our part to keep each other safe. And that's that, you know, everyone needs to be aware of the things that have transpired at these places. So I'll leave you with wow. that. That's, that's, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Byron, do we have any hands? Let's take a look here. Sorry, I was uh, conversing with the roomie here. Um, looks <laughs> looks like we have no hand. Oh, we do have a hand. Uh, there is someone from the 682 area code. I'm going to ask you to unmute and feel free to speak. This is Calandra from Fort Worth, Texas. Um, Welcome. Thank you. I've been listening to your presentations and I have to say that they are very good. They deal with a lot of stuff that we in our world deal with. And I just want to say um, about the compliments on the hair. I guess it depends on how you take something. But if somebody tells me they like my hair 
or if they like what I have on or that I look nice, that would be one thing. You know, I would actually thank them, you know, because I know it's coming from the art. Now, if it were sexual, then, you know, I would tell them to go like fly a kite or something like that. But well, I that's a good distinguisher. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think that's what we, go I think that's fry what an mean. egg. Go, fly, go fry an egg. That's one of the um, <laughs> other terms. But I've had some situations in the past that have happened to me before. And uh, some of these um, have to do with where I live. And a lot of times I've got accused of lying on people when I didn't. I've been bullied into taking other people's sides against theirs or uh, against another person's. And, it kind of messed me up mentally, but I'm doing very well and God has pulled me through it. If I ever needed help with a situation, I would go to the good Lord. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, that testimony. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you come back to Sunday edition soon. Byron, who's next? Okay. It looks like um, Beth has their hand raised. So Beth, go ahead and speak. Hey guys, this is a very insightful and informational uh, program. And thank you very much to everybody for, for doing this. I have a comment and a question. The comment being, I agree with Margie that no one should be forced to, to learn something that the person does not want to learn. I wonder, however, what you would hear from any organization if you put that forward, they would probably, they would probably say that, you know, like if you were in college and you said, well, I don't want to learn math and they want to go into physics. Well, sorry, but if you're going to, you'll have to drop the program then because if you're going to be a physicist, you have to learn math. And I'm afraid that we would get that kind of comment from the other organization. And my question is, what about um, sexual abuse and, and other similar things going on in schools for the blind and guide dog schools and colleges? Has there been, um, have, has there been a ramping up of, of such things? And thank you very much. All right, I want to actually take that for a moment. Um, I do know that there have been that there have been um, studies and uh, not studies, but um, uh, emails sent out from a bunch of the different guide dog schools um, encouraging anyone that if there has ever been an issue, if there's something going on, et cetera, et cetera, just a stand of solidarity to you know. Um, so I think a lot of the schools have looked at the situation and said, okay, um, we don't, thankfully it's not happened to us, or we don't know that it's ever happened to us, but let's make sure and be sure and stand in solidarity with the survivors. Um, to your, to your other point, I just wanted to say, I agree with you tenfold. I think it's, but I think we're looking at it in a very literal way. Um, and I think it's not necessarily, I'm not going to learn something, but but I can't learn it this way, especially something like being dropped off in the middle of a city 
after you know a few days worth of O and M instruction and saying, well, you know, make it on, you know, make it home by you know by yourself. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's instances like that where it's like, okay, there are alternatives. There's there are other ways to learn this. Not necessarily. I mean, you can't get a guide dog unless you have independent mobility skills. Um, you know, there are there are requirements for all, most things in life, but there are different ways of learning them. Marjorie Wayne, any comments from yeah, you guys? Yeah, I have a couple comments. Um, I can tell you only. I do too. <laughs> Go ahead, Marjorie. Eye, seeing Eye sends out a very detailed letter that we all must sign before entering class, and you get it once you get a class date, and it's very detailed about sexual harassment. Yeah, GDF too. Uh, joke and even oh, wow. joking. It doesn't have to be physical. Sexual harassment um, comes in many, many different ways. And there is absolute zero tolerance at the seeing eye. And you'll be nicely invited to leave the school if you violate that. The other thing I want to say about learning, <clears throat> um, there, there's a client's choice when it comes to rehab of what they want to learn and what they don't. Now, that being said, having worked at a center and having sent people to that center, I'd get a veteran that oh, I don't need to cook. My wife does it all. And that's logical. But I say, well, here's my concern. Um, what if something happens to your wife to where you need to take care of her or God forbid, should she pass on, not being able to cook could end you up into a nursing home. Is that what you want? 90% of the time, the veterans say, yeah, I learned some basic stuff. And, you know, the 10% that didn't in the, in the VA structure, as you lose more sight or your situation changes, like your wife passes, you get a divorce, your husband passes, you get a divorce, um, you are allowed to come back for further training. But I think, nice. I, I, I do think we have to give the choice and the choice might be no but we, we explain the benefits of it. And I live by a theory as a blind person. And I carried that into my um, education and, and rehab teaching for the short period of three years that I did it. And that is, if I know how to do it. So I'll give you a very specific, specific example. Margie, I, I don't want to go too go far off into the weeds, but go ahead. Perfect. No, well, if you know how to do it, then you have a choice whether you want to do it yourself or hire a reader or have your friend, have your partner. And that's my point. Uh, if you know how to do it, you get a choice. If you don't know how to do it, you don't have that. Choice. Thank you. Anthony, I, I want to jump in too. And, and I know and you do. And that, then we have some hands. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, very quickly that, that, um, you know, uh, the, the other thing about, about these places is that, you know, in the, in this other organization is that, you know, all of the programs are, are virtually, you know, identical and, and there's, you know, there's, there's so much uh, rigidity in how these programs work. When we go to school for, when we go to schools for anything else, I mean, you know, let's talk about music school for a second, you know, um, music schools teach things different ways. And there are places where you can go and, you know, uh, like a private school, for instance, like where I went, where I didn't actually have to learn math because I didn't want that. So <laughs> my, my point being is that is that, you know, uh, to reiterate what Margie is saying is that choice is important. But I also think that people need to understand how approaches might be different at different rehabilitation 
and training centers. That way they can not only make the choice about what they want to learn, Absolutely, but, they can but just our make call the choice is original point is also very valid. You know, you you can't become an airline pilot without learning how to fly a plane. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know, there's there are certain levels of of commitment that needs to be made. Like, you know, For like sure. I said two seconds ago, you can't get a guide dog unless you can independently, you know, show independent uh, mobility that you yeah, have absolutely. routes that you can do, et cetera, et cetera. They're not going to give you a dog if you can't use the cane. And, and on that, you know, there's no way around it because you can't instruct a dog if you don't know where you're going. The dog's not going to take you where you need to go. But That's anyway, right. I don't want to get off in the weeds. I know we have other hands. Byron, who is up next? Um, actually, I don't see any other hands. Um, if anybody does want to raise their hand, please feel free to do so. But at the moment, I don't see any. Alrighty then, Wayne. What um last thoughts do you want to leave for all of our listeners? And if they um want to reach out to you, do you have that email and YouTube um YouTube information again? Yes. So you can you can find me on on YouTube. Just just uh uh type. Uh, Wayne Piercy again that's spelled W-A-Y-N-E and the last name is P-E-A-R-C-Y um, you can look for me there you can also uh, you can also contact me via my website um, waynepiercy.com um, there's a contact form on there where you can where you can get in touch if you if you want to do that um, just my final thoughts is that, you know, I'm so grateful for this resolution. I'm so grateful for all the work that that has been done in putting this together. And I really sincerely hope that this will make a difference in, ur in urging um, rehabilitation agencies to become more aware of these issues. And um, as, as, as all of our community is, is doing so well at becoming more aware of them, I hope that rehabilitation agencies will take that step as well and become more aware and and uh, uh, suspend clients from going to these places where such atrocities have have happened so I want to thank you guys for all of the work that you've done on this resolution Margie and Byron if we do get any hands feel free to break in Margie, some final thoughts? Um, yeah, I have some final comments. First of all, I want to talk about a positive that's come out of this whole thing. And, and this is not just tongue in cheek. I'm very serious. And that is, I always look, like to look at the silver lining. I, and yeah. I really mean it from my heart of hearts. The silver lining in this is I got to meet Wayne and we have chatted. And, and Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm, I just so much enjoy chatting with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to also say, uh, I cannot speak officially on behalf of ACB, but as a member, I will speak this. I don't think our goal has ever been or will ever be to take the other consumer blindness organization down. I think our goal here, I know our goal here is to protect our consumers and those that have been violated to help them to get their civil rights as far as they want to go with it, and to change the culture of the organization. I think yep. there's yep. a lot of validity in having that organization around, and I hope in the future we could work together, but right now our focus is on supporting the survivors and doing what we can do. And um, I would encourage anybody out there, anybody, man, woman, child, 
If you feel like you are being violated, speak up, speak loudly and tell uh, authority, whether it's the police, whether it's your parents, whether it's your husband, your wife, your partner, just make it known and keep making it known. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, while um, actually while uh, Wayne was speaking, I got a text message from a survivor who asked me to thank both of you um, and everyone who worked on the ACB resolution and everybody who has participated in news media coverage, podcasts, Sunday edition, et cetera, et cetera. But um, to thank you on their behalf that for those who are still afraid to speak or those who are still too emotional in this situation to speak that having strong individuals hold on i lost the text but basically what she was saying is that having strong individuals to represent everyone and to to keep the conversation flowing means everything so i think that's really awesome um and i'm really glad i got to impart that um all right well this has been sunday edition as i said earlier I have a bunch of resources, uh, links to the articles that have been out there and some of the podcasts that have been out there. If you'd like them, please uh, email me at celebrationac, that's C-E-L-E-B-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-C at AOL.com. And I will be back next week with one of my guests today, Miss Margie Donovan, and we're going to be opening up another conversation surrounding mental health and some of the ways that you can overcome situations, how you can reach out for help and why it is so important to love one another and support one another. Margie, I can't wait to get together again next Sunday. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebrationac, that's the word celebration, with the letters ac at aol.com. Look forward to hearing from you, and let's brunch again next Sunday.